0: Thanks for checking out the Refuge Official Podcast. Wherever you're from, we hope that this message will encourage you and help you grow in your relationship with God.
1: Well, good morning, church. We want to welcome all of you. My name is Matt Malik. and the lead pastor here, but I'm not speaking today. We have a special guest that's going to share his testimony. And in a moment, I'm going to invite him up here. Uh, we were inspired uh, to do a series on the power of testimony. Look what God can do is the title of this series. And we're hearing from different individuals. Last week you heard from Pastor Deb and I, and we focused more on her testimony because uh, uh, you hear me all the time. So, <laughs> But uh, today we're going to hear from somebody that went with me to Africa last year when we went to Africa. I usually take a team And this particular trip, we visited five cities, and we did leadership conferences in those cities. And I asked the team members if you would prepare a message relating to your testimony. And in these cities, you would be sharing your testimony in these different churches and uh, venues that we were speaking at. And so that kind of inspired this series here because I was so like, hey, these are amazing testimonies. And these testimonies can impact people's lives because the scriptures you heard just mentioned in Revelation uh, uh, 12, 19 says, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And so David Ray come up here. This man is going to share his testimony. When he went with me to Africa, he said, I never stood before a group of people before And I never did this, but he did it there well, and he's doing it here today. So he's going to tell you a little bit about himself, and he's going to take it from here. God bless you, Dave.
0: Thank you. So as you can imagine, Pastor Matt and Pastor Deb did their testimony last week, and to follow them is is extremely intimidating and and, and humbling. However, it's also equally um, rewarding and, and humbling as well. I, and I'm going to sit down because my goal is to have a conversation with you and definitely not preach to you. So, so when I was asked to do my testimony, it was scary. You know, my, my wife hasn't even heard my testimony. So I'll get emotional. I'm not going to look over there because that's my wife. So <laughs> she certainly, um, she's certainly read my testimony. She didn't read this version of my testimony. And she's certainly watched me live out my testimony. Um, but nevertheless, she's never heard it, <laughs> so, so we're going to go and do that today. Uh, one thing I, I want you to do is to uh, look at your neighbor, preferably one that you didn't come with, and say to them, I thought I belonged to myself. Okay. So that is going to be a common theme throughout my message, because most of my life I did li- live a life that I thought I belonged to myself. Uh, I'm going to boast right now on my weakness, because I know that the Holy Spirit and God will help me, because he tells me he does. So I'm not a public speaker. To give your testimony can be terrifying, but it equally, uh, it's rewarding, and you need to do it just to help anyone out there, and, and, and that's what Jesus wants. So Paul writes in 2 Corinthians in the NIV, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. So I'm counting on Christ's power resting on me. And I am feeling, I am feeling the peace. Now, Pastor Matt and I uh, had the opportunity to pray a few times to get ready for my testimony. Uh, We are praying last night, and and Pastor Matt, I'm paraphrasing now, and you know if Pastor Matt prays, you don't interrupt him because he's got good words. He's praying last night, you know, that he hopes people come as far from the east to the west to the south to the north, and I'm mixing all that up, and and I'm thinking, whoa, 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 Pastor Matt. Can't we pray for, like, a Packer game in a September snowstorm? (laughs) And it looks like Pastor Matt's prayer was answered and mine wasn't. So... uh, So I I firmly believe as life passes us on that our testimony grows. And in fact, uh, my testimony um, really started to grow about a year ago when I went to Ghana. Uh, I would say since that time that I've been to Ghana that my testimony has changed three times. And by that, I just mean that it keeps getting better, more powerful. My relationship with Jesus is getting stronger. Uh, So I, I... I pray for everyone here that that's what happens to them as well. Um, so, why is it important to give my testimony? Um, when we look at Scripture, there's a lot of Scripture talking about it, but the two that jumped out to me was Psalm 66:16, and, and this is David speaking. He says, "Come in here, all you who fear God, and I will tell you what He has done for my soul." So it's important today that I that I let you know what He's done for my soul. Um, another one is Revelation 12:11, and this is in the English Standard Version, where John's writing, and they have conquered him, him being the devil, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. So uh, I, I have a pleasure of having the social network and. Um, Andrew Haas and I talked about that yesterday. You know, when when I'm up here, I'm doing one thing, and that's making the devil flee because he's hearing where I've come, and that, and that I belong to. Well, I'm not going to tell you where I belong. So, so it's important to share that testimony. So, most of my life, I've I've grown up and I I lived as I belong to myself. Um. And, and there's many reasons for that. My mom and dad divorced when I was nine, ten. As a result of that, my dad married a, a lady, and then they moved away to the Virgin Islands. So, I, you know, from that point on, I, I felt that abandonment. So I felt like I didn't belong. I, I was raised by my mother and my sister. They did a great job. But that also exposed me not having a father figure or having a brother, to be exposed to bullying. So, you know, at an early age, I was bullied. I was beat up, you know, and, and, uh, and really I needed to learn how to self-medicate when I was doing that. So the form of self-medication for me came in, in the form of sin. And the sin that I fell into rather quickly was sexual sin, lust pornography at a, at a very young age. Um, excessive drug and alcohol use. Uh, anger. Fighting issues. Um, one that um, really stuck hard is unforgiveness. And we know how important forgiveness is. Uh, I fell into hate. Lying. Cheating. Stealing. Bitterness. And, and certainly I wasn't honoring my mother or, or God at that time. But at that time... Um, I belong to myself, remember? So I just had to, to feed myself. Another thing that I, uh, I, I fell into was cursing and swearing. And that really, um, all the way up to probably a year and a half ago, I could put together combinations that were incredible and shouldn't be said. Uh, a man that I've grown to love uh, and, and really just look as a mentor Uh, explained to me yesterday that that cursing is using the devil's language. So, you know, when you curse, think about that. You know, that's not words of God. That's that's really bringing the devil into your life and opening the door. And we certainly uh, want to keep that devil away from us. So when I look at sin, uh, I believe that sin and addiction are often uh, the very same thing, or at least they thrive in the same environment. So uh, I'm going to read from Healthline.com, and they define addiction as an addiction is a chronic dysfunction of the brain system that involves reward, motivation, and memory. It's about the way it's about the way your body craves a substance or behavior, especially to cause if it causes a compulsive or obsessive pursuit of reward and lack of concern or consequences. So, when you look at sin, and when we're living in sin. We're not thinking about the consequences. We're not thinking about what it's doing to our Father, God, uh, what it's doing to our soul. But but what it does is it, it's a self-medication. So for me, the drugs was self-medicating. For me, the pornography was self-medicating. For me, the anger. The, the fighting, all that was self-medicating. Because at that time I belonged to myself and I didn't have the medicine. So when I was, just to kind of recap my life so you know where I was and where I am today. When, uh, when I was young, uh, I, I opened up my very first business and I was very successful at it. Um, I was a recreational pharmaceutical distributor. I sold pot. So, <laughs> <laughs> So, so when you look at my life, you're going to say, how is he not dead or in jail? And, and the only reason I'm not dead or in jail is because God's hand has always been on me. Even, even when I didn't want his hand, know his hand, or felt like I deserved his hand, it has always been on me. So when I was 16, to so remember, I, um, I had my own distribution center. So when I was 16, when I was growing up, Um, The drinking age was 18. I could always get alcohol at 16. I always had pot when I was 16. Well, this one Friday night, um, April 13th, I didn't have any pot. We went to Walgreens where I always bought beer, and I got carded. And, and that's God's hand on me. So we were going to a party. There's like three or four of us in the car. And we were going to the party, and we were, I remember we were listening to Black Sabbath war Pigs, and it was just jamming on the radio. And, and we're driving to the party, and we're going to get high at the party. And certainly, you know, we'll get beer for sure. And the only problem is, is we didn't make it to the party. So we were going around a corner, and the car rolled four and a half times. And the driver was ejected, And he died. Um, So at 16, I saw my very first car accident, very first violent death. Um, But I still have to look back at that, and God's hand was on me because I didn't die, and I'm here today. And I didn't buy alcohol or pot that caused the accident. So that was clearly God watching me that day and keeping his hand on me. So the next few years went by, and I was 18, and... And um, I enlisted in the Marine Corps. And, and I, that was my way out because I knew I didn't want to stay here because I knew that here was a bad situation for me. And I thought that going into the Marine Corps that that would, that would um, provide me a new life. So I went in the Marine Corps, and um, the Marine Corps, uh, their motto is, is God, Country, Corps, and Family. So the Marine Corps taught me a lot about about the Marine Corps, the country, not so much about God and family. And uh, and it also honed in my sin. So I I quickly, um, I don't want to say I quickly joined a group because I tend to be a group. And then uh, fighting intensified. The Marine Corps, if they taught me one thing, it was how to be a good fighter. Uh, Drugs intensified. Back in the 1980s, uh, drugs and alcohol were a real problem in the United States Marine Corps. And I'm sure they still are to this day. Uh, But that's when I was introduced to cocaine. So I went from smoking weed and and dropping acid to now snorting cocaine and smoking cocaine. Um, For those of you that haven't been in the military, drugs in the military don't get along. So... uh, I would, so when, you, when you, I went into the Marine Corps on a drug waiver. So that means if you ever get caught again, you're kicked out. So, uh, in, so then we were doing the cocaine, and then I had a urinalysis, and I got caught. So uh, by all rights, I should have gotten kicked out. But God's hand was on me, and I didn't. Uh, God blessed me that the job that I was doing in the Marine Corps, I did very well. Um, so then that one kind of slid by. And, and I was okay. But then six, seven, eight months later, I thought arrogance kicked in, and, and we went out, and I did more cocaine. Well, guess what? It, I think God put the urinalysis test there that weekend, too. <laughs> so I got caught again, you know, and I should have got kicked out, and I didn't. And I can't even explain why I didn't. There is no explanation other than God's hand was on me and that God wanted me to be in the Marine Corps. Um. So like I said, as I look back, um, there's no reason that I'm not in prison or dead right now. And, and you know, in the testimony I'm giving you today, and I, I talked to some of my, my fellow men, um, you know, and I even talked to Mur, you know, there's, there's the PG version, there's the R for the raw version, as we talked about, <laughs> and, and then there's the G version, and I'm giving the G version today. And, um, you know, I have to be respectful of my audience. So, so when I sinned, again, God's hands were always on me. He may have not always liked my actions, and he may not have even liked me. But I know God loved me, and that's why God had his hands on me. So I get out of the Marine Corps, and I get married. And, um, and, and that marriage was good for a while. And if you you came to becoming one, you'll know that I've been married three times. So that marriage was good for a while. Uh, And then it just, as a result of sin, my infidelity and and lack of being a man, that marriage dissolved and I got married again. uh, That marriage certainly didn't have God in it. In fact, we weren't married in a church. Um, And that marriage just was not meant to be, and, and there's a big, long story to that. Um, so then that ended up in divorce. So then God blessed, God blessed me with my third marriage. And my third marriage is to a beautiful woman, Jenny, which a lot of you know. Now I'll cry because I said she's beautiful. So um, anyway, um, but he blessed me with a Christian woman. And the difference in this marriage over my last three marriages, there's three huge differences. Um, one is that, that God is a priority in my marriage. God has to be a priority. What I mean by that is God has to be a priority in my life, and God's got to be a priority in Jenny's life, and then God has got to be a priority in our life. We worship together. We pray together. We we send each other podcasts. Uh, The only reason this marriage is successful is because God is a priority in it. So if you're thinking about being married, if you are married, refocus on that, please. Make God a priority. Um, during my marriage with Jenny, uh, we got baptized. And, and it wasn't here, but nevertheless, it was a phenomenal experience. You know, I remember um, that that's the time, you know, I felt God in my life, but that's the first time where I felt like I encountered God. So when I was baptized, it was similar to here where full water and you're, you come back up. But it felt like I was underwater for like minutes, if not 30 minutes, but I wasn't struggling, but I had all the flash of sin in my life and where it was going. And then when I came up, I had an inner peace. So that's that first peace where I've really felt God's presence. Um, But just because you're baptized and you find Christ doesn't mean life is easy. You know, we we struggle. But the point is, is that we have somewhere to go with that struggle. So... So for work, work has been a very interesting thing for me over certainly the last 10 years. And, and God has yoked me with some people that I've, that I've thought that I've really respected and, and looked up to. And in hindsight, God was putting me in a season that uh, was allowing me to grow. So often we have good seasons, but we have our bad seasons too. And we tend to remember those seasons. So... For my first job that I, that, I, um, that I really started to excel is I, I, I had a leadership job. And then I ended up having close to about 300 nurses under me. And, and, and I had a leader that was not Christian. And I had a leader do a, have me do a lot of things uh, that I didn't necessarily like. But at that point, it didn't matter because I was, I was, I was craving power. I was craving money. I was craving status. So it just didn't matter. And to be honest with you, it's because I belonged to myself. So when you belong to yourself, you're only trying to feed yourself. So during this time, um, I started just not liking it. I started to, to feel like I was being bullied. I started drinking. You know, I, I, I'd go home and drink an Old Fashioned Night, and I thought it's okay to drink an Old Fashioned Night, Monday through Friday. But then I drank two, you know, and, and then uh, sometimes three. I don't know it could have been. You know, Jenny certainly didn't like it, um, but she didn't say much about it either, Um, and that's okay. So I prayed to get out of that situation and prayed and prayed and prayed, and again, I'm not a Christian, I'm a Christian, but I'm not deep in my faith. I got out of the situation, and then uh, I literally jumped out of the uh, frying pan into the fire. So I joined an organization that I, uh, that I had worked with previously, and, uh, and I was happy about it because the man that I was going to report to, the head of the company, was a Christian. And at first, uh, it was going really good. And, and we, we talked deeply about Scripture. And he would pick up the phone and call his pastor, and then we would talk Scripture while I'm at work. I mean, what a better situation than that, right? But uh, the more I started growing in faith, the more difficult that situation became. Because I was being asked to do things that... Uh, when I grew in faith, mattered now. Because I was belonging less to myself. I was asked to lie. I was asked to do things to people that were just not fair. Uh, we would go to golf outings, and um, drinking was a big thing at golf outings. At least it was with this organization. So I started drinking, and, and so then at that point, I just didn't want to drink when I was golfing. I didn't want to, I, I didn't want to rely on, on a substance anymore. The, the deeper I've grown in my faith, the less I need alcohol. so Or the less I need drugs, the less I need porn, the less I need anger, the less I need hate. You, you can name whatever that is to you. Um, but when you do that, and you start to say no to the, the head of the company, it starts to get really difficult for you. And um, I talked to, to to Pastor about it, and... and i don 't know if if my faith was convicting him or just the lack of maybe obedience to him and that I wouldn't drink I, I wouldn't do certain things um, then um, the the relationship became strained, but that was okay because my relationship with God was getting stronger and and as much as I love my wife Jenny, the only person I need to to um, have a good, strong relationship and care what they think about me is God. So like this man that I've known for 20, 30 years, I didn't care what he thought about me anymore. You know, I, and, and I, didn't, I was certainly not going to resort back to drinking anymore, like I did my first job. So I, um, I, I gave him a hard nose. And I, you know, I won't do this, I won't do that. So if any of you in the corporate world have ever done that to your CEO, um, you tend to... Uh, separate under mutual agreement. So that happened to me. <laughs> I got fired, but I was okay with it. <laughs> so that was August of, of this, this past year. Um, and, you know, and I prayed to God that this would end or that, that God would make it easier for me, right? The difference was because I was growing in faith and I was trying to live a better life. God answered my prayers a lot quicker than he did that first job. <laughs> So obviously, like, boof, I don't have a job, you know. And this, so this is August, and um, but I, God blessed me with um, a, a nice severance package, and He blessed me with the savings, and and then I hear about this Ghana trip coming up, and I'm thinking that sounds kind of kind of interesting, and uh, and Ghana uh, changed me forever, but. So one thing I did want to share, just looking at my notes, uh, I want to start off, so where am I now and where am I going? Um, There's a a quote I wanted to read uh, from you. It's in a book called Unwanted by Jay Springer, and he explains that sexual sin is often manifested by unforgiveness and self-medication. I would argue the fact that it's just not sexual sin, but that's what that book is about. It's all sin. um, And then Joyce, I believe it was Joyce Myers uh, explained that um, staying in sin is a God problem. Now, I didn't say that it's God's problem. I said it's a God problem. And what I mean by that is when you're in sin and you're staying in sin, you have to to surrender. You have to give your life over to Christ. You have to trust Christ. You have to put your worries onto Christ. So when I say it's a God problem, it's your problem that you're not surrendering to God. In that you don't want to change, so Ghana uh, changed my life forever. Pastor Deb and and Pastor Matt we were meeting, and and they said, "Well, we won't stretch you guys. Don't worry. Um, you know, you'll be comfortable doing it." And then I realized, like a week or two later, uh, that God had a sense of humor, because Pastor Deb sent me an email saying, "Hey, put together your testimony and this and that and this." And it's like what, because. <laughs> You know, I, I was not, I was going to be there to protect Pastor Matt and do CPR or something. I don't know. But the next thing you know, I'm up there giving my testimony. Um, and, uh, and I started to grow. So I lost my job in, in, in August, and then I was going to Ghana in November. So it was a long time and, and not to work, but I didn't want to start a job and then have to leave to go to Ghana for almost three weeks. Uh, so going to Ghana, and I told Pastor Matt this yesterday. Um, I don't know if I was running away from something that I wanted to go to Ghana or if I was running towards something. And hindsight is I was running towards Christ. And, and that's where really the, um, it, it was very impactful for me. So Ghana, if you ever get the opportunity to go, you'll go and you'll come back not the same person. Um, I remember encountering, so remember I felt the presence of God during my baptism? So when I was in Ghana, we w- went into this big cement building, square, dark. You hear people praising God. Um, and I f- looked outside there. We got there at night, and I thought, God is in that building. It, you know, God is in this building too, but I had that overwhelming presence like, God is in that building. And, and walking through that door, it was both scary scary. But but peaceful at the same the same time, and, and I really felt that presence of God in that building, and and it changed me forever. So uh, while in Ghana, picture um, a beautiful ocean view, and you're looking out at at fishing boats that are hand carved out of wood. and You're sitting and you're eating breakfast. It's just the most surreal, peaceful, best environment. Other than the fact you just woke up out of bed with Josh, which the beds are just. Tiny. So, so but, but the environment itself, you're looking out. And then I, a man that that I met, his senior pastor, Francis Thurston Coffee, was talking. And, and he was talking about how he lives his life as he belongs to Christ. And that he physically belongs to Christ. And I'm like, whoa, this is new. <laughs> what do you mean you physically belong to Christ? Now, it says in the Bible we do, but I'm not up on scripture as much as maybe everyone else. And then he started to talk, everything I do, I live like I belong to Christ. So I, I, I don't belong to myself. And when you put that into perspective, you know, I don't have a right to do certain things to my body anymore. I don't have a right to sexually sin. I don't have the right to, to, to drink to where I'm drunk. I don't have the right to snort cocaine, to smoke cocaine, to just sin. Um, And when I was baptized, the Holy Spirit started to convict me. And that's where it worked through that job. Because then you start to know right and wrong. And then you start not to want to sin. So Ghana changed that for me. And where you you have to live like you belong to Christ. And in Ghana, I'm not sure if I still belong to Christ. But it definitely was. It was planted. It was planted. So... uh, so what does it mean to belong? The different definition that I like in the dictionary is that um, to be attached or bound by birth, allegiance or dependency. I belong to Christ by birth at my baptism and by when I accepted him. Um, so this is changing my life forever. And, and, and so where am I at today? I'm putting God first. Um, what does that mean? That means that we need to, to include God in worship. We need, to, we need to be in the Word. If I find myself drifting from being in the Word, then I'm drifting towards sin. So being in the Word is what keeps me straight. Be, worshiping God keeps me straight. Um, I personally believe in tithing. There's very few things that God tells us that we should do to test them, and tithing is one of them. I also don't believe that you should just tithe your money. You should tithe your time. Now, I'm not saying I tithe 10% of my time, but when I was first asked to wear one of those blue shirts, I thought, oh, they want me to do what? (laughs) I have to get here early? (laughs) I have to stay late maybe? And now it's like when I don't have one of those blue shirts on, I'm thinking, oh, I miss that. You know, I want to do that. So it, it really is, when you start to tie some of your time, it is very rewarding, and, and I, I encourage everyone to do that. Uh, forgiveness. Um, forgiveness is huge for me. Uh, I had a very abusive relationship in my second marriage, and um, towards me. And, and there was, after the divorce, it was, my life was just made miserable for many, many, many years. And... Um, I had thoughts that weren't Christian-like, you know, and I've been told and I've read, I need to pray for those, those people. So I have, I pray three to five times a week for my ex-wife, for my ex-boss, for people that have wrong, wronged me. So as a result of that, I no longer hate my ex-wife, I'm somewhere close to love, so as Christ would want us to love. And... And I just pray and pray and pray, and I see that hate melting away and that forgiveness. And I know if, if I don't forgive, Christ won't forgive me. That's very plain in the Bible. So, so with that forgiveness, I know that I'm achieving some success. I, we found out some very bad news that happened to her. And when if you look back five years, I would have rejoiced in that news. When you look in the news that I received the other a week, month or so ago, I felt sickened. I felt like I wanted to vomit. I felt sad. So I know that if I can have those feelings, that I must be doing good with forgiveness or getting close to forgiveness. So I, I, I plead, live a life of forgiveness. Uh, language. Language is, if, even from a year and a half ago, and my family's over there, they can tell you that I had just the worst mouth. Now it's extremely rare that, that I use bad language. And I do appreciate the feedback that I got back from Andrew. That is, um, that's the language of the devil. It's not the language of my father. So, temptation. So, remember I talked about the lust, and I talked about pornography, and, and just sin in general. I don't care what your sin is, um, but that, that was some of my deep sins. Uh, when we look at 1 uh, Corinthians 10:13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. I think that's one of the most misquoted scriptures ever. I think people quote that as "God God won't allow me to go through something that's beyond what I can endure. That's not true. God gives us stuff that we can't handle all the time, and that is so that we draw ourselves closer to God and we rely on God. So, so this scripture is purely to me talking about temptation or sin. So, when I was a sinner, I often I, I would sit here and and um, and I would be sinning, and, and I would know where the door was because I could see that small little exit sign over there. But because I was addicted, I didn't care. I didn't care about the consequences. So now when I, I am tempted or I see any sin, that, that exit sign, now I look for the exit sign. And that exit sign is no longer like those little exit signs. It's like the screen. So I, uh, I, I rely on God to help me through that. And I look for the way of escape. And I... And I, I you can trust me in saying that God will provide it for you if you are looking for it. So um, trust in, in God. So trust in God is where I'm at today. I trusted that God would help me with the Holy Spirit here today. Before I came up here, I was a wreck, <laughs> even, though, even though I had peace before, I don't know, 30 minutes, and then I was a wreck. But God truly has given me peace right now. And uh, so I need to trust God. I had this encounter that I wasn't sure if I was going to share with, with, with you guys today, but I, I talked to my Saturday morning worship group. That's a few of us that go to the gym and talk more than we work out. So, so um, I'm going to share a story with you. So in Ghana, it's really hot, and you tend to sweat. So you, you, you get a, a, a device or a towel like they call it, I believe, a sweat cloth. I don't know. A face rag or something. I don't know. So you, you do this, right? So, it, so this came to be something that's a symbol of importance to me. Um, and uh, I was laying in bed one night, and, and this had a bright green light on it. And it, it was in this shape, but it was swirling in the air. And it was so pretty. And it was so real to me. And I remember reaching over to tell Jenny, Jenny, look, because Jenny was sleeping. And then as soon as I said that, a hand grabbed me and yanked me to the ceiling. And then I was trying to, just to remember Jesus' name and saying, Jesus' name, stop this attack. I couldn't remember Jesus' name. And then I said, in God's name. And then I was dropped. And... That dream, I don't know if it was a dream. I don't know if it was a vision. I don't know if it was reality. And, and if you would have told me this story four years ago, I would have thought, ooh, that guy's crazy up there. <laughs> but, uh, but it was real, so I don't know what it was. But I know it was real. The next day, um, God talked to me. Now, I didn't hear the voice, but it was more than a feeling and it was a conversation that was in my head that I knew was from God. And God said to me, you don't trust me, and you don't trust Jenny. I'm trying, Sam. <laughs> so, so he said, you, know, you don't trust me or Jenny. There was some stuff that uh, I needed to get out in the open with Jenny, and it's not earth-shattering, and I'm certainly not going to share it today because that's between Jenny and I, that uh, I didn't trust jenny with that knowledge and i certainly didn't trust god because i had a good relationship with jesus and the holy spirit but not with god because god was like a father and i didn't have a good relationship with my father so i never connected with god like i did with the holy spirit and jesus Um, so hindsight is that why i didn't remember jesus's name because god wanted me to remember his name um so then uh, I have this conversation with God and I'm like, yeah, but, and he was like, you don't trust me. I'm like, I do. And he goes, no, you don't. If you did, you would, you would talk to Jenny. So, I mean, that's like God calling my bluff and, and he was right. So I talked to Jenny and I remember I'm like prepping for this conversation. I almost have a PowerPoint ready and, (laughs) and I'm all like antsy and, and, uh, we sit down on the couch, and I'm like, yeah, i got to tell you a few things. And her face turns white, and, and then I vomited it out, and I'm crying, and she's like, is that it? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. And uh, so God gave me, remember I told you God gave me a Christian woman? He gave me a Christian woman that is a forgiving Christian woman and that, um, that I'm blessed to have. So from that point on, I really started to put a lot more trust in God, my Father. So, and so this is you know another huge milestone in my life because I'm trusting the Father now. Now when I'm praying, or now when I'm thinking, or now when I'm in thought or in the Word, I think of God, the Father. I still have a good relationship with Jesus and the Holy Spirit, but now I have that trusting relationship with with god um so with that trust now that i know that i'm worthy and i'm loved by god i definitely um i seek i seek uh to please god and i'm no longer a a people pleaser i'm a god pleaser now i know i fall short but that's still my intention is to to please god and not so much the people so um I have no need now for self-medication. You know, if I, um, I have no need to jump to an old-fashioned. I have no need, and Jenny can even tell you I've made like three or four of them in the last year, and I take one sip and I dump them out, <laughs> you know, because I have no need for that anymore. I have no need for for drugs. I have no need for for pornography. I have no need for... Lost, you know. I'm not saying that I don't fall short, and I got to realign myself because I believe we all do. Uh, but, but I definitely feel that I'm um, that I'm coming to where I need to be, and I have peace. All my life, I didn't have peace, and that's why I self-medicated um, to to try to find that peace or that escape. I now have peace, and that's what's important. Uh, I can't emphasize enough. How important it is to have a Christian social network uh, I, I I work like we all work. I drive you know forty minutes to get to my small group if i wasn 't working that day i 'd drive forty minutes to get to my small group and that 's a highlight in my day and it 's a small group full of men and women uh, of all ages and, and to to have that network and to hear their stories and to to um, watch videos to to talk about the videos it's so important to keep you centered and grounded in your faith um i have a social network group every saturday morning if we can make it um and uh you know andrew and Tim is part of that i encourage you if you want mer's been at planet but she hasn't been part of our group (laughs) so but i encourage you you know to be part of a group like that to jump in um and again, I said, you know, we do a lot more talking than we do working out. And, and, and that's important because it, it's, it's men gathered and, and, and we're growing in faith and, and we're keeping each other centered. And, and what, what Andrew struggles with, I may struggle with. What I'm struggling with, Tim may be struggling with. Um, to tell you, too, so I remember I'm this Marine guy that was heavy in drugs and fighting. I love men. I have men that I love that they're truly my brothers. And, and I'm certainly not pointing out two of these brothers because Dakota, Sam, and I don't even want to mention names. You know, there's a bunch of you out here that I truly love as brothers and I truly need. You know, Pastor Matt, you know, I, I told him before I came up here, I love you. And, and for me to say that to another man um, a few years back, I, I couldn't do that. Now, because it's not. Sorry. Uh, now to tell Josh I love him because I spent so much time sleeping with him in Ghana. That's a little tough for me. So, <laughs> but uh, so with the importance of establishing that social network, uh, I'm very blessed today to have these tables back here because these tables are so important and it's giving you a doorway to walk through to establish a social network. Now, I can guarantee you, especially if you're new in doing this, you're gonna think, oh, Wednesday night, I wanna go home. I don't wanna go to group, you know? And the reason that is, is why is the devil making you wanna go home? What are you gonna miss if you don't go to that group? You know that's what you need to be thinking. And then once you start to go to that group, you're gonna be you're gonna that's gonna be that healthy avenue for you and you're gonna need to go to that group. If you miss that group, then you're gonna feel like you missed something that day. Um, so go check those tables out. Be part of a group. You know, we have men's breakfast once a month. That means I get up at 4.30 in the morning to meet these guys at a restaurant at 6 o'clock, and then I don't get out of work, and then I go and work out, and then I go home. I don't get home till 8 o'clock, 7, 8 o'clock. So my day is long, but you know what? I don't miss those breakfasts because that is so important to be there and to have that network. So I, for my third time, go to those tables when you're done, and I'm told there's donut holes there. <laughs> and I think it was, was it Jeff or Murr that said there are holes because they're holy? <gasps> So, so so, if you don't go over there for anything else, there's donut holes over there. Um, so today, I guess, in, in, in ending, what I really want to tell you is the most important thing in where I'm at today is that, I, that I'm living like I belong to God, not to myself. So, um, again, it's an honor to, to be up here. Um, God bless you all, and I'm going to invite Pastor Matt up here. And thank you for listening to my testimony.
1: And I love you too, Dave. <laughs> you know, it's, it's amazing to hear a testimony like this and to realize that we're all in a place where we've lived life, we've experienced things that have not been pleasant, but yet God can intervene at any moment, we allow him to. And I really believe this message is so important in understanding that we belong to God because he purchased us for a price. There's a scripture I wanted to share with you uh, in 1 Corinthians six nineteen and 20. It says, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? Then it says, you are not your own. Why? Because you belong to him. You were bought with that price. So glorify God in your bodies. When, when, when Dave came to this realization, that was a key point in his life to begin to walk free from the controlling power of sin. Galatians 5.24, it says, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with the passions and desires. So truly, we can find freedom when we understand that we belong to Jesus and he belongs to us. And um, connected with the small groups, as he said, is so important. And and we encourage you to do that. You know, we don't grow in a row. We grow in a circle when we gather in a small group. And, And so this is an opportunity for you to really connect with people, for you to become vulnerable. Now, that might be a scary word. But this man, an ex-Marine, if he can become vulnerable in a, a group, you can too. And in his role, he, he had like 300 people under him in an organization, uh, an ambulance company that answered 25,000 calls a year. I mean, that was a key role. He influenced a lot of people. Now his role has changed because he's a voice to speak Truth. Thank you so much. Let's give Dave a hand. As he returns to his seat, I want to extend an invitation to you this morning. Maybe you're here and you say, you know, maybe I'm not at that place that Dave came to, or maybe I am there right now. And realizing that your life is not your own, And until you recognize that and realize that and make a decision regarding that, you will still belong to yourself and serve yourself and you're going to be messed up. You'll never find true fulfillment. You'll never really find and fulfill the purpose for which you were created for. So this morning, I just want you to bow your head in this moment and and, and just think about what I'm going to share with you. Are you at a place that you're ready to surrender everything to jesus have you come to acknowledge that you're a sinner who needs a savior have you come to realize that i can't make it on my own there's this void there's this emptiness emptiness in my heart that can't be filled with drugs with with however i've been trying to do it but yet jesus wants to fill that void he wants to fill that hole and maybe that You've already invited him into your life. Maybe he's part of your life, but maybe he's not. And if he's not this morning and you say, I want Jesus to fill that void. I want to have that understanding that my life belongs to him. And I'm, I'm willing and, and ready to surrender my life to him. If that's you this morning with your head bowed, eyes closed, just lift your hand so I can see it. We're going to pray for you. Thank you. I see that hand. I see those hands thank you thank you for your honesty your boldness to lift your hands you can put your hands down I'm going to have you all stand together we're going to pray a prayer and I call this prayer a believer's prayer it's a prayer we pray to acknowledge our belief in Jesus the son of the most high God the redeemer of mankind who came to this earth on a mission to deliver us from our sin so that we could receive him as our savior and receive forgiveness of sins and the gift of eternal life. And that's the gift he offers to us when we surrender to him. And he will take you as his own so that you can say, I'm his and he is mine. I belong to him. He belongs to me because you become one with him. He takes up residence inside of you. Your life becomes his very temple, his dwelling place. Repeat this, believer's prayer after me. We can all pray together. Heavenly Father, I come to you today and I acknowledge that I'm a sinner who needs a Savior. Jesus, I open my heart to you. I believe you died on the cross for me and I believe you rose from the dead to give me life to forgive me of my sins. Jesus, I want to belong to you. So I surrender my life to you from this day forward. Come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to worship God together. And a little bit later, there's going to be a prayer team here. If you raise your hand, if you have any other need, if if you need to just reconnect with God today, the prayer team will be available to pray with you. Because God's here, his presence is here. And I believe he's going to meet you and he's already met you in a very significant way. So let's worship him. At Refuge,
0: we believe all people matter to God. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to connect further with Refuge, feel free to go online to wearerefuge.net or on social media at wearerefuge.